All right, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Thanks to everybody for coming out on this awesome Friday night here in very sunny Wyoming, Minnesota, Anthony. First time I've seen it in the daylight. <laughs> in the sunlight, for sure. It's usually a blizzard when we're coming up here. Yeah, it's, I was uh, pulled into the building next door because I'd never noticed there was another building in the driveway on the way in. Same thing. I was thinking that. Um, so uh, thanks to everybody for coming out. Uh, really cool of you know, to spend your Friday night with us. Um, next live show, April 4th um, at 7... Actually, it's going to be about 7.15, 7.20 here at uh, Split Rocks because I'm filling in for Barrera that day. So uh, however long it's going to take me to leave at 6.23 p.m. from St. Louis Park, we will start the show as soon as I get here. Um, but uh, April 4th, a little after 7 here up at Split Rocks. Uh, and welcome to the Aquarius Home Services studio here at Split Rocks. Anthony, uh, Minnesota Wild, uh, last night... Um, tough game in Philadelphia. Figured out a way to get a point. We'll talk about that a little more before uh, in a little bit. Um, before that, New Jersey. Um, what a game! It went from being I thought maybe it's different for you because you're calling the game and you're into it. I thought uh, you know kind of a blah first two periods, and then man did it pick up third period. Uh, just you could tell right at the very beginning it was going to be a, a loosey goosey third period. Tons of action. Philip Gustafson was in tr uh, tremendous. And then Matt Boldy um, just follows up his hat trick with just a tremendous uh, overtime goal that accompanied a tremendous overtime goal call by you. Well, I appreciate that. The, the finish was terrific. I actually thought the whole game was really entertaining. Two really good teams. Mm. Battle level was high. It had a playoff feel to it. I thought it was intense. And the kind of game Minnesota has been winning so often during this stretch where they've been the best team in the NHL for a month and a half. And, and New Jersey's been playing really well, so it was a fun game to watch that way. They might be the fastest team in the Eastern Conference, fastest, one of the faster teams in the NHL. And I thought Minnesota matched their speed really well. And I was just talking with some of our guys in the office today as I was putting prep together for tomorrow. And we were talking about that game and a couple of the others during this stretch. And sometimes you just forget that the Wild just went into New Jersey and took down one of the best teams in the league in a tremendous game, and they're doing it without key play, in this case, without Kirill Kaprizov, without their best player. And sometimes you forget just how many of these wins during this stretch have mm -hmm. come without Kaprizov, without Brodine, without Felino, without Duhame, guys that are a big part of this team, without Middleton. And so I think that was impressive. And the, the call itself, I, I had a lot of people reach out to me afterward and I mean I thought the call was was good I thought it was it hopefully did justice to the play because it was the play that was amazing the the end to end the two-on-one for the wild Hughes hits the post Boldy gets the breakaway those are the plays that as a play-by-play -play guy you just hope you do it justice and get it right don't make any major mistake you know <laughs> it's going to be played over and over again for a long time yeah, and say like, and Sam Steele coming in, <laughs> right. and then you realize, oh shoot, it's yeah, holding. no, um, it was great, and it was those moments. That's why hockey and hockey play-by-play -play for me. I have a lot of people that'll ask me because I've done every sport over my career, and so those kind of plays are what makes hockey different from everything else. That doesn't happen in any other sport. You might get a game-winning touchdown pass, but it isn't preceded by this kind of action mm -hmm. where this team could win, this team could win, this team could win, and now. It ends, and same with the walk-off home run. It isn't like the, there were six plays leading up to it simultaneously in a span of 25 seconds that could have ended the game either right. way. 
Yeah, I think the, the thing about the call um, to continue to pump your tires, which you know I just love to do, um, is <laughs> it's the first um, time for everything. Yeah, I know. Is it, what, what to me is it is that you were at equally as out of gas as Boldy, and that you also had to sort of pick up your stamina as he's going in and creating the drama of is there enough time? You know, it was it was one of those like I mean you're calling the time on the play too, which very rarely yeah. happens, like five seconds on the clock. Right. It's yeah, it was, cool. it was interesting because there were two things in play. One was the clock, and the other was his energy. wondered if he had enough gas to get to the yeah. goal line again. And it was interesting talking to Dean afterward because he said, we looked up as he entered the zone, and we knew he'd have enough time. Boldy said he was glad he didn't know how much yeah. time there was because he might not have made the move to the backhand if he had known it was that close. But from a play-by-play guy's perspective, yeah, it, the, you very rarely get that kind of action without any break where the color guy might jump in even for a sentence and you just take a breath. <laughs> and even if that sentence is this fast, and in that case, yeah, it was, it was, it was, I was close to out of breath. Yeah. How about Gus that game? Uh, you know, he admitted in the first period that he was fighting the puck. He definitely looked like he was playing with oven skillets at, fir- at first, dropping pucks left and right. And, and man, you know, self-deprecating in the post game too, said he asked Freddie Shabbat if he could find his glove because he was playing with two blockers. And then he comes out in the second period, different goalie, and third period, a really different goalie. Yeah, and it's interesting, though. I thought, and I've thought all season, that one of the things that the Wild would struggle with, and to struggle, say, is, is a strong word, but one of the things they'd have to clean up was the rebound control from their goaltenders. And I thought in that game, there were so many pucks mm-hmm. that it looked like Gus was just, I don't care where it goes, I'm just going to let it hit me. And then he'd just stand there sometimes and watch as the puck laid free, but I thought it was a game that Minnesota's defensive core was as good as they've been in any game all season at clearing those pucks away. And I asked Dean about that today, and as I said, it felt like there were... I used to coach youth basketball, and you'd do these box-out drills where you'd throw the ball up and just box out and just let the ball hit the floor, nobody go get the ball, just to train them to box their guy out. And it, that's what it looked like sometimes in this hockey game. Puck would hit Gus, it would bounce out there, and it was just like everybody just had their guy boxed out, and the puck was an afterthought. And Dean said he thought it was the best game they've had all season at, at taking care of rebounds as a defensive club, not necessarily as a goaltender. So I've got to look up the numbers again, but about two weeks ago I did, and both wild goalies were, they had given up more rebounds than expected. So they take into account where the shot comes from, how often they should be able to swallow it up, and how often it leads to a rebound. And both goalies are, meaning they've given up more rebounds than they should. But the Wild are number two in the league in fewest rebound shots on goal against, meaning that even if the puck's there, it still doesn't lead to a shot on goal for the other team. Now, some of that could be they miss the net sometimes or something. But for the most part, over the course of 70 games, all that stuff will even out. So I think that gives you an idea of just how good Minnesota's structure has been. Yeah, clearing rebounds and things like that. And then they go on to Philadelphia, and you could tell from the puck drop that they were a different team. I mean, everybody was, uh, I mean, really other than Boldy, who I thought actually the first two periods had were in that same similar yips as the other, other guys. But they just, I mean, overskating pucks, losing their footing, uh, not catching pucks. Uh, I mean, just look at the tying goal, the loose neutral zone by guys like, you know, Hartman and, and Zuccarello on that play. Um, bad 
front by Merrill, the you know, arguably not a great goal by by Flurry. That was the first game that I felt like if Kaprizov played, if Gus played, they win that game. Yeah, maybe. There are just nights where teams are off. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it might have had a little bit to do with who the opponent was and looking they, at They admitted it, as, it in the postgame. Yeah, I've never they, heard a locker room right. say together that they overlooked that team. Right. And I think they looked at it as they're loose, we're going to score tonight. And, and I thought even as bad as I thought Minnesota played, Should've when they won. took the lead, yeah. both times they took the lead, I thought, all right, now they'll just, from here they'll lock it down. And both times the lead was awfully short-lived. So it's just, that happens. It's one of those nights, and it happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, we're going to talk about it a little bit in our, our pregame show tomorrow, Saturday, is that, and Dean made reference to it today, where he said, you know, we're facing another team that's, that's record isn't very good. They're out of the playoffs, and we have to make sure that we get our focus back. And I know every time that a team loses to a non-playoff team, you get a whole bunch of people saying, like, this is why the Wild can't win. They blow these games. Every, everybody does. Every team loses games like this. And Minnesota right now has the fifth best record in the league against non-playoff teams. So they've taken care of business. And Philadelphia's been beating some good teams. They lately. have. But, and, but Arizona's beaten some good mm-hmm. teams. And Minnesota lost to Arizona. It, the point is simply that in the NHL, nobody goes 0-82 and, and nobody goes 82-0. and 0. These, This stuff happens. And Minnesota, to their credit, all year has been really good at not overlooking an opponent, mm-hmm. not loosening the game because of who they're playing, not coming in thinking it's going to be point night, and I don't care what happens defensively, we're, we're going to see if we can score seven tonight. And they've done it as well as anybody in the league. And tomorrow is important because, or Saturday I should say, because I don't know when people might listen to the show, but the Saturday game against Chicago ends a stretch where they play 16 games and only six of them were against playoff teams. Ten were non-playoff teams. So a big part of this run for the Wild has been against teams outside the playoff picture. They've done what they're supposed to do and get points most nights. The next five are all against teams currently in the playoffs, starting with Monday's game against Seattle. And then it's Denver and two against Vegas. It is a really challenging stretch. So I think that makes Saturday's game with Chicago even more important because you have to get those two points heading into the five-game stretch that follows. Yeah, and, you know, the one thing I'll say about the Flyers is that they still have a lot of quality NHL players on that roster. Um, and, and, and some good young kids. I mean, Chris Stewart was on my plane this morning. He's a development guy for the Flyers. They just had meetings. He was at the game yesterday. And we were talking about Forster and how good of a young player this, this kid is. Um, the, the Blackhawks, there's no excuse. <laughs> You're at home. They're decimated. They have. I mean, you look at their roster; you can hardly recognize any names there. Other than there were a whole bunch as I was putting my yeah. line charts together for tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, "Who's this guy?" Yep. I have to do a little research tonight. Yeah. Um, so, to me, they've got to take care of business, as you said, going into this stretch of of many, many games. Uh, let's talk about practice today, and then I do want to get back to a little bit about Matt Boldy because, uh, you know, to to be fair. Um, on this, at least I on this podcast, uh, the last couple months has been have been critical of him, and and uh, right now I'm just absolutely impressed with the way he's playing. But let's talk about practice today. We get there. Um, Gustav Nyquist is out there right now. 
Um, a big talker right now is, all right, if the Wild are healthy in 10 games, where is he going to be in the lineup? We could talk about that in a little bit, even though, as we know, it's fruitless in this league to look ahead when in a league where people get and hurt. hypothetically say that everybody's yeah, going to exactly. be healthy. Yeah, but, but let's, let's, we'll talk about that in a second. If I forget, people remind me. Remind me. So, so far, um, we're on three topics we're going to talk about in a second. You yeah, still haven't exactly. gotten to the one question you're going to uh, ask. So, yeah. uh, Nyquist, uh, but we get there, and Kalen Addison's on the power play today. And this is one where it's like sometimes – like, I do think that some of the moves they make in practice are pretty predictable that they could have done it a game before. And I just, I don't get why that Klingberg is out of the lineup last game and they just don't put Addison in there. You had to know that their power play needed a little pop, especially with Kaprizov uh, out right now and the way it's been performing. And, you know, like, at some point, like, now you expect this kid to come in the lineup and be confident when he knows that that it's always a last resort whether he's thrown back in now. And I just don't – I mean, you know, without divulging, because you get a lot of more alone time with, with Dean than I do, like where, it, where are they with him right well, now? Well, I think there's a few things. Number one is Dean's always been pretty honest with these guys about that when you're in, if you play well enough to stay in, you'll stay in. Mm-hmm. Well, Alex Goligoski's played pretty well right. for the most part. He's played now, I think, what, 13 games in yeah. a row. But I'm, no I'm, I'm more saying to, Merrill. Right. Like, but so, and I think that's where they landed today was, I think it was, Goligoski has been good. Merrill was good the previous game. So are you going to take the, just take him out for the sake of a power play specialist when the reality is I'm, maybe it was the coaches overlooking Philly a little bit where I'm sure they looked at it and thought, Jared Spurgeon can man the power play for tonight. Yeah. And, and we'll see what happens with Klingberg. I, Klingberg's not going to play Saturday. And, but now, all year, think about how Alex Goligoski's handled this. He's been a scratch for better than half of the games through the first half of the season and just kept coming to work, knowing that the only reason Kalen Addison was playing because of what he was doing on the power play. And I'm sure Alex is going into meetings, watching video clips, saying, how many mistakes is this guy going to make before they say, all right, it's your turn? So Addison's now in the same spot coming the other way, where it's, all right, how long do I have to watch the power play struggle before they, <laughs> they tap me on the shoulder? But now if he comes in, if he plays well, there's no guarantee that John Klingberg gets that spot back if Addison goes in and takes the reins and says, I'm not giving it back. Go, what if the power play scores two or three times over the next two games? It's been struggling lately. Dean's been the type that, hey, when things are going, we're going to stick with the guys that are in there. And I think it's interesting how Goligoski has really turned into a reliable guy here. And it, I know that there was some conjecture as to whether or not he would get traded before the trade deadline because, oh, he might be the eighth defenseman. And how funny is it that he's the seventh defenseman, they trade for John Klingberg, which in theory would say, okay, now you're the eighth. And that coincides with him getting in the lineup and playing his most consistent stretch all season. So I think sometimes it just it, it depends on what's happening with the rest of the team at the time. And when Goose got in, it was because they needed help on the kill. And then he just played well. Yeah. Played well to force the hand. And maybe Addison now will realize that, that when you get these opportunities, because they don't just come in endless fashion, you better show something tomorrow not just on the power play, but also at even strength. You better defend well. Mm-hmm. You better show that you're willing to battle and compete. And if you do that, you'll be in the lineup again Monday night when Seattle's here. Mm-hmm. I'll just—I will be interested to see what happens with John Merrill in the future too, because it, it is 
The one thing that's bizarre with, with the whole Merrill deployment is that he's barely a penalty killer even, which is very odd for a big, you know, stay-at-home third-pair defenseman. You know, if you're going to always be sort of the guy that's the last resort to be taken out, you'd think he'd be on one of the two special teams, and you could say, well, we need him on the kill. Well, and, and that's uh, why he's probably yeah. out right now. But who would you take? The other four defensemen yeah. are the four you're going to use on the kill. Well, yeah, and no, no, no I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just, yeah. becomes the fifth. Yeah. I'm just saying that I, I think he's very expendable, and I, I just I, I was I guess what I'm saying is more so I was surprised in Philly that when Klingberg couldn't play, that the obvious replacement was sitting on the ice getting bagged rather than you know who's going to be out in the lineup that night instead. That's I guess that's my biggest point, and, and so it didn't shock me today that when we come to practice that Addison was going to be playing when I you know again thought it should have happened a, a game earlier, but. I, Team's, team's playing great. It's hard to question the, the decisions well, it, uh, lately, it, but that one uh, I thought was peculiar. It just – the timing of what you need when you need it, when there's mm -hmm. a spot. Yeah. And right now the power play needs a jolt, and there's a spot. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Hurt. Like this team couldn't score. Their special teams was immaculate. Now they're scoring a ton, and their special teams suck. Yeah, well, the – it's, Nothing is ever a, just perfect, but it, you know? Well, that's true. But it's also – it's been a little bit of a flip because – the power play numbers actually haven't been bad over the last, now the last two games they were bad, but prior mm -hmm. to that they had five and three games. And so it's just funny, when the power play was one for 21, the kill was 34 for 35. And then right about the time the kill went upside down, the power play scored a few times, not as many as the penalty kill has allowed, but it's, what is the kill now, allowed 10 in the last six games, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that has to get cleaned up because... It's funny over the years, you know, you talk about the fact that you got to have your special teams going to the playoffs. What you have to have is a penalty kill. The yeah. the teams that have that are elite on the penalty kill, it's crazy how many more times those are the teams that make the deep playoff runs than the teams with the power plays. Mm -hmm. And you'd think they kind of go hand in hand, but they really don't. The, we looked at it a uh, last season, and the cup winners, like ten out of the last twelve, have been in the top ten on the penalty kill. And only like four of the last 12 have been in the top 10 on the power play. It's the teams that can prevent power play goals in the playoffs that, that's more important. Um, other than the obvious that Kirill Kaprizov's out, what's going on with Zuccarello right now? I thought last night yeah. he was horrendous. I just I think <laughs> it's – look at how many plays he makes where you can tell he's making a play in the back, like thinking that this is where Kaprizov's going to be. Mm -hmm. And Marcus Foligno, I love the guy, and he's, such, he's not Kirill Kaprizov. And they threw a couple passes last night, and Foligno had broken the opposite direction on one he was going back to defend. There were two drop passes out of the zone by Foligno. Right, and it, it's just different. It's guys that see the game differently. There's a reason Zuccarello and Kaprizov have had this unbelievable chemistry. It's because they both see the game from an, a creative offensive standpoint. Ryan Hartman's been a great compliment to them, but... I think Ryan Hartman's at his best when he's the third guy, the complimentary guy to those mm -hmm. two, not the second guy driving the offense on the line. So I think it really is just a caprice of Zuccarello's effort level never wanes and his battle level never wanes. But you can see on the power play there were a couple times where he made a pass that it was almost like as he threw it, you could see him say, it's not going to work because 97's not over there. Yeah. Whoever is isn't even going to be ready well, for Well, especially pass. that four on three to start over time where he just threw a grenade 
totally off the mark. Eric Sinek had no idea where the puck was going. Right, but I but I say I, I don't I'm disagree not, that, that, that that they're on the same page. Yeah, Eric Sinek thinks the game yeah. differently than those. But you guys. know what? I mean, then it, to me, it's also incumbent on him to change too and not turn the puck over fifty yeah. times a game I, because he was so bad yesterday. It was unbelievable. It really was. Like he was a turnover machine. Right, but I'm saying if he had how many? If he had ten. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say five of them weren't turnovers if Kaprizov's on the ice. Right. And it's and it it's not it isn't I'm not disagreeing that the guy has to have some idea of who he's playing with, but the game goes at such a fast pace mm-hmm. that when all of a sudden you've been playing with this guy every night for two years mm-hmm. and you get a puck in the corner where you know, okay, I see that guy to the corner of my eye, this is going to be there, and throw it and Erickson Eck has joined you in the battle in the corner, or Marcus Felino's bolted back up high to to defend or whatever the situation might be, it's you can just see it in his play that he misses that. And, no and so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the way he's playing, the way he's skating, his effort level. I think just ride it out, wait till Kaprizov's back, and then evaluate. Uh, conversely, Boldy, I mean, you know that line has been great. Um, Erickson X been awesome with that line. Obviously, Johansson's playing great with him. But Boldy, man, I mean, he's averaging like nine or ten shot attempts a game now. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's actually I I got the numbers because we're going to talk about it tomorrow. He's averaging just a shade under eight, seven point eight six attempts per game since Kaprizov went out, and it's it, that's close to when Johansson came in. Johansson was actually with him a couple games before that, but it's what's crazy is how dried up he had been. The last seventeen games that Kaprizov played, he had one goal. Mm-hmm. He was a minus three. He was averaging less than six attempts a game. Shooting percentage was 1.8. Now it's 27 and a half, which isn't sustainable. But he is getting more attempts. Johansson has been the difference maker on there. And remember, we talked, I think, the first show after Johansson was acquired that and I wondered if there could be a similarity in how Zuccarello's game was reborn when he was all of a sudden playing with Kaprizov. Could the same happen with Johansson? And I think... Johansson's ability to carry the puck is what makes that line different. Erickson Eck is not a puck carrier. He's not a distributor. He's a nose to the net, win puck battles, that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And we saw it the other night. There were two or three plays where as they came in the zone, Johansson made a pass to one of those two guys. Boldy's not a puck carrier either. And they flubbed it, but Johansson would then pick up the loose puck and just carry it in himself circled the net a couple times, waiting for the offensive zone to get established. And now it allows Eric Sinek to just be the nose to the net guy, the go-win-the-battle-in-the-corner guy. It allows Boldy to just be the shooter because Johansson is the guy driving the zone entries, possessing the puck, holding the puck. It's, it's really remarkable how good those two have been together this fast. And, and I, then I think with that, Boldy has embraced you're the man. Kaprizov's out. We need somebody to be the man, and he has really taken that role to heart. And I remember Dean saying, I can't remember which game it was, might have been in the, the game he had the hat trick, where he, his, his terminology was that he looked like a guy shooting the puck with such kind, he was going to try and shoot it through the net yeah. instead of try and flip it precisely or aim it. He was just, let her rip and let's go. And, and so we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks, and you've been in a part of some of those conversations with Dean where it's, Maybe with Kaprizov being out, it's forced him to, through opportunity for some of these other guys, to now 
play the game a little differently where hopefully that confidence can carry over when Kaprizov comes back and maybe you finally have yeah. the two scoring lines we've been waiting and wondering if we'd see before the end of the season. That is the key. Man, this has got to be eating up at Kaprizov, huh? So we'll have to watch, yeah. the, you know, especially you on TV every night. <laughs> think he does, puts the mute button on? I'm sure he does. He probably, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've talked to a few of those guys. It is interesting the way, the different ways different guys have watched the games over years yeah. when we've had some of the guys get injured, and I'll ask them when they come back, like, well, what's it like having to sit and watch the game aside from I'm not asking, like, hey, what do you think of the play-by-play? But And some of them have actually said, you know what, I really I, I don't even want to listen to it because I just want to watch it. Then some others have been, I think it's really interesting to hear what you guys see and what you guys say and then there's some who say I really have a hard time watching it at all. I don't. I, I want to follow it, but I it pains me so much to not be playing that I can't even stand to watch. Some guys come and sit upstairs in the press box when they're injured at home. Other guys would just as soon sit down in the locker room and watch it on TV. So it, it's really been interesting over the years to talk to different guys about how they live life when they're out of the lineup with injury. I have no idea what Kaprizov does, but we'll find out when he gets back. Uh, by the way, there's a microphone right up here, a headset. Uh, feel free. You don't have to be invited. Uh, just come on up if you have a question uh, and uh, ask whatever you want. Um, let's uh, talk. I, got, I have one more note to make on the Boldy discussion we were having. It, it's, um, and I, f- I found this number really interesting, that from the All-Star break to the, about the time he got hurt, remember Kaprizov was the only guy who ever scored for the mm-hmm. Wild. But I went and looked, and I went from the start of the season to a couple games before he got hurt, because he didn't score the last two games before he was injured. So through March 10th, Kaprizov had a higher percentage of his team's goals than anybody in the NHL, 21% of the team's goals. But since that time, which almost coincides with when he was injured, Matt Boldy now has the fifth highest percentage <laughs> of his team's goals. So it's, I think that was, that was where I was going with the you-have-to-be-the-man kind of yeah. feeling, and he's taken that to heart, and he's been terrific. Yeah, he's been – I mean, yesterday he just said, the puck's following me right now, and I want the puck. I'm shooting the puck, and it's going in. So he is confident. I mean, you saw it on the one play where he faked the drop pass to uh, Zuccarello, and he wheels around the one defender and sets up Erickson Eck at the goal mouth. That was pretty cool, obviously, the second goal. And that was, to me, the most disappointing thing about the uh, shootout loss against the Flyers is that that goal should have been like the, you know, the, the highlight of the, the game story, the highlight of the broadcast, and what do they do 46 seconds later and give up the tying goal um, and then wind up losing in a shootout. Um, it just, yeah, it, obviously this guy is just playing uh, terrific hockey right now. It's just pretty neat. So now I, do, I still remember all the questions you were going to ask me later when you started Nyquist. the one question. Nyquist was the one I was going to go back to. Was So I, I do think it's interesting now where you – and he's a ways away yet. He just skated as a full participant in terms of skating drills today, but no contact, which he's probably, that, that's got to be at least a week away. At least. From, usually, that's the way those things work. But let's say he is, let's say you've got everybody back. And I, right now, you're certainly not going to mess with the Caprizov's uh, back top as six. well, the top six. So now Nyquist probably has to be in the next three. And I think it really brings up an interesting question it, because Goudreau's going to be in the next three. If Nyquist is going to be in the next three, that means one of Sundquist or Felino gets bumped down to the fourth, and Duhame, really. One, two of those three guys get bumped down to the fourth line. So now your fourth line has two of Duhame, Felino, Sundquist, 
along with Dewar, Shaw, Steele, Reeves. That's a lot of guys for yeah. three spots. And that's what I was going to get to. Is like I think Felino, just based on who he is, is probably on that third line, which brings so you down to the fourth Foligno, line. Goudreau, Goudreau, Nyquist. Right. Now your fourth line is Dewar in the middle, right. 100%. Duhame has to be in. I think Duhame's in, which is a shame because that means Mason Shaw, who I think is playing really well right now, is out. I well, would say. So you'd have Shaw, Sunquist, yep. Reeves, Steele for the and last And I think spot. Reeves is the guy. I think Sunquist should be the guy, but I think that... Um, I think Sunquist will be the guy. I, th- I just think sometimes um, we've seen it where, uh, you know, Bill Guerin has acquired somebody for a specific reason, and I think that that guy gets, at least at the start, the, 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 the you know... Maybe, and it could depend on who the opponent is. Yep. You're, if your first-round opponent is Colorado as yep. opposed to Dallas, I think it's yep. a different game. I think the one th- to your point, though, the one thing that makes Sunquist really intriguing, besides the fact that he has a five-game point streak well, in this couple of years... and he also is a guy that he's the won a cup. in. And he's the, he is yep. another he's a play- uh, you know. acquisition, so... I just think I think Sunquist should be the will, guy. I, I don't, don't think it'll be the same. And I, I know part of what you're that that you base your opinion on it, which is valid, is what happened last year mm-hmm. when when I Delorier. thought Cam Talbot played better down the stretch right. than Fleury and we started Fleury. Delorier got to start in the playoffs, even though I thought he had been outplayed by some others. And I think that taught these guys something. Not that, I shouldn't say taught because it makes it sound like we do and they just didn't know. That's not what I'm saying. But I think they'll go about it differently this year. I think, yeah. I think if Gus is playing better than Fleury, Gus will start game one. I think they're going to look at the lineup and say, who gives us the best chance yeah. tonight? And just it, let's say Reeves is one of the odd men out. If he's your guy and you lose game one and you want to spark for game mm-hmm. two, not a bad spark to have coming off of your bench. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think I I would my gut right now with ten games left left is that Gus would have to absolutely fall apart here and not start game one. I think he is your game one starter, and then we'll see what happens from there. But so, I also don't think it'll be a he's our guy, so we're going to ride him. I think if it's yeah Gus is the guy in game one. And if Gus is dominant in game one, he game plays two. game two. And if it's even in a win, if he's less than stellar, I think the way they've played the goaltenders down the stretch has the whole team. It wouldn't feel like a panic button move by the coach because they've been going back and forth with these guys, not necessarily a rotation every other night, but they've gone to each of them, and each of them have won big games where I think everybody in the room would just say, this is just what we do. We have two goalies. They're both going to play. And I'd be... I'd be surprised if through the first round series, both guys didn't play. Who has questions? Uh, otherwise, we're going to give you a play-by-play of our dinner the other night in Philadelphia where I'm going to go over and play uh, Jenga with Table 804 over there. <laughs> Beer Jenga, look at that. Yeah, that's impressive. Royal Credit Union's smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Make the switch to a Royal checking account and you'll also get real-time transaction alerts, free mobile check deposits, and surcharge-free access to over 40,000 ATMs across the U.S. Enjoy financial freedom with no minimum balance and no monthly fees when you switch to Royal's smart checking account. Learn more and open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. Insured by NCUA.
Do you want great quality drinking water? What about great quality drinking water you can get right from your sink and your fridge? You can eliminate plastic water bottles and have convenient, worry-free drinking water. It's great for coffee, tea, cooking, and of course, drinking. Well, Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut has a variety of water treatment options for you to get the quality water you deserve, and they offer a free water analysis. Their trusted specialists will come visit your home and will provide quality options that make sense for you and your home. Contact Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut for a free water analysis. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Moe's is a great spot. Moe's, uh, it's inside Fogarty Arena up in Blaine. Terrific menu. And I know that they've expanded their pizza menu recently. It's a great place to watch a game. Go check it out. Terrific menu. They've got great sandwiches, great burgers, and check out their flatbread pizzas. They're outstanding. You won't be disappointed. Um, how you doing? Good, good. I do want to talk a little NCAA regional since you're keeping track of the stuff I want to talk about, Anthony. All right. I'll write that down. All right. I'm John from Minnetonka. Hey, John. I drove all the way up here. I could have gone to Tuttle's, but no, I had to come up here. (laughs) Well, we went. Anyways, uh, I got a trivia question. Oh. 2010 or 11. (laughs) (laughs) all right i like the question so far yeah yeah if you're gonna ask a trivia question you got to know the year of the question you're asking well let's wait and see what the question is all right all right Uh, number two defense wild greg zanon nope no No. number two two. defense on the wild in 2022 he only no but he did back he just had a teacup so uh, I wasn't doing play-by-play yet then, so I'm going right. to give myself a pass. Mike. <laughs> Mike. Lundin. Oh, okay, Mike Lundin. You know what? My last name is Lundin. Nice. And, and so... When, Are you related? No. Okay. But he was from Burnsville. Yeah. And so uh, it's very interesting that... Uh, did he play at Burnsville? Was he at Apple Valley? He was Apple Valley. Apple, yeah, Apple Valley. Valley. Okay, yep. sorry. Yeah. Um, That's my part of the trivia question. <laughs> well, I lost out on that part. So, do I get a t-shirt? Do you know his first, do you know, we know what? Uh, I think we're out of t-shirts, right? Oh, that's uh, For this week. That's fine. But uh, if you come to Tuttle's next time we're there, we'll figure out. We'll yep. Come back to us and say you were the Lundin guy, and we will uh, ask. Uh, Oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a, t- a definite t-shirt if you say the first team that Mike Lundin played for. I'll wear my jersey. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thank you. Ottawa, right? Um, anybody else uh, questions? There's got to be. There's a bunch of people here. Here we go. Remember, we played uh, life-size Jenga in that outdoor patio in bar in Dallas. Yeah, I think that you and I almost got into a fist fight that night. Uh, Didn't we? That doesn't sound right. Is that the other way I can hear myself? When we were playing like life size uh, beer had, pong there was that night. Beer pong, and you yeah. just lost a lot and got frustrated. But yeah, yeah, that's very true. I think. All right. Hey. Hey, Dave, uh, up here in Forest Lake. Nice. Uh, the question would be, what happens when we have our eighth defenseman after the Gophers? Brock. Yep. Um, That'll be nine. Yeah, nine. Well, yeah, we were talking. Yep. Eight that were really, or seven that were really playing, and now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm, really, they've used all eight right now. With, yeah, I mean, with, they are. And look, um, he, they're gonna, they're, he's obviously going to be on the roster. It's just whether or not he's going to play. Um, right now, I mean, they're jockeying for position 
to try to win not just the division, but maybe even the conference, right? I mean, as Anthony just said, they do have a right. very tough schedule coming up. I just don't think that they're going to be in a position where they could just throw them in right away. They're going to practice them for a little bit. And then maybe three, four games down, you know, with left in the season. This is just my gut. If they're in a position where they are look like their first-round opponent is locked and all that stuff, I think they're going to start to rest guys, and that's the benefit of having all these extra players right now. And I think then you give Faber that opportunity to play. But I think, uh, and I know, that Bill Guerin is hoping that he doesn't have to sign, call Brock Faber up on Monday and say, hey, you want to sign here. Yeah, uh, they want, he wants him to go win it all, and then they'll deal with it down the stretch. Yeah, and, because and then th- that puts him almost to the end of the regular season. Yeah, so but that's – Is he a black ace fu- at that point in time? Yeah, well, he'll definitely be a black yeah, ace. Sure. I mean, they're going to – I mean, we'll see if Iowa makes the playoffs and things like that, but they'll bring other guys up as well. Uh, but he's, he's – He'll be you know, with the wild. Yeah, he. I mean, this, no yeah, matter which, no matter yeah. what. That's a, that was whatever you want. Guess. It was yeah. just one of those. It's like, where yeah. does he fit when you well, say whatever we got your, all whatever your verbiage is. Like a black ace to me, the connotation is guys that are called up from Iowa that are black. Yeah. Marco Rossi, if Adam Beckman gets healthy Correct. again, those guys are black aces. Wallstat will be a black ace Ooh, or McIntyre. Nice, uh, I like um, that one. You know, <laughs> Brock Faber is going to be on the roster. He's not – I wouldn't call him a black ace. Okay. So. No, but he probably in yeah. some of the cases would be skating with those guys, practicing uh-huh. yeah. with those guys. And But I, I think it, it really does depend on, number one, what happens with the Gophers. Yep. If they make the Frozen Four, I believe they'd have five games left when the gopher season is over. Yeah, because isn't it like April 4th or something? Yeah, it's that weekend. I can't remember where it is. And so I think they'd have have five games I think his first game would be in Chicago, right? I think that's what I don't remember what the – but I I think they'd – they want to have him be here and be a part of it, but I don't. They're not going to force him in, especially not with these yeah. other guys playing. No, that was kind of the thought too. But you're looking and see how his skill set is playing. Even watching that little, well, yeah. a little iffy last night for a little bit. But yeah, but he's a good player. Yeah, he's really yeah. and he's a poised player. But there's a big difference between even the Frozen Four and the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh yeah, so absolutely. I mean, it is a huge step. Oh yeah, the, 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 the amount of speed, the, the speed differential, and the strength—you see that right. all the time. You know, Canisius, Colorado, well, Avalanche, same kind of thing. Same thing. exactly. They have a they're, lot of guys I mean, that look like they're McKinnon. about the same. Yeah. Well, it, uh, in Michigan's the other one that you see that because they got such a, a deep team too. So when you right. kind of look at how that battle went off of there, and, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, but and those guys are—they're as ready as any college player can be. Yeah. And if it was, let's just say hypothetically, in some world, the college hockey season ended in December. He would have been here with the Wild, and they would have found ways to get him in and out and make yeah. sh- and get him up to speed. Five games at the end of the regular season, unless their spot, to Michael's point, unless they're locked, they're going to win the division, they're going to finish third, whatever way it might be locked. Right. I don't think you're going to take a chance if you've got a chance to win the division and therefore get Winnipeg or Seattle in the first round instead of Colorado or Dallas. Oh, yeah. You're going to take that shot, and, and resting guys will get shoved to the back burner. Huh. Yeah. All right. That's what I had. What's your prediction uh, with the Gophers? This pot will be out before that. Uh, St. Cloud State, yeah, uh, formidable I think, opponent. I think they'll beat St. Cloud and and go to the Frozen Four. I think I think they got somewhat of the the pressure jitters of being the number one seed out of the way in the first period and a half, two periods against Canisius. And I didn't watch the third period last night because it was right about the time we took off from Philly. So I saw the end of the second, saw him take the 3-2 lead, and I thought, all right, they'll find a way. When the next time I looked at the box score, it was 7-2. and <laughs> So I think now they've yeah. they probably got beyond that. Where 
there was some pressure on them there. Remember, yeah. this is it had a lot of similarities to when they went up there and lost to Holy Cross, and I'm sure that was I'm sure they were being reminded of that. Now you're playing just another hockey game against yeah. a legit opponent an that opponent you're going to you know get up well. for. You're going to get up for them. I think Minnesota wins that game and, and advances to the Final Four. Um, yeah, and uh, you know I I'm working on this Brock Favor piece to run the day he signs. Um, and so I talked to Bob Motzko during their bus ride to Fargo the other day, and you could tell he was he was a little nervous. I mean, they had played two games in 23 days at that point, um, looked rusty in the Big Ten Championship, and I think that he felt like it was going to take them a little while to put their skates back on and get back up to it, and, and clearly they got a scare there. <laughs> no doubt. Down 2-1. Well, what was his quote afterward? It was the closest 9-2 to game he had ever been a part of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they pretty much – it was the major – so, so I was writing during this third period, but it was the major that really opened things up, right? Yeah, That's two, where they, they scored. Yeah. two power play goals. Yeah. So, question. Yeah, so, like, to stay on the futures. Yeah, I like thing. your frames, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yep. Um, how many of the Swedes are we going to be able to keep? And, and who is this? <laughs> I, I know that I've read a couple things, and I can't remember his name now, but there's a guy from Western Michigan or something that, that they're Yeah, Jason at. Poland. Um, I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know. Uh, where they're at with that right now, um, I reached out to his advisor, soon-to-be agent, and um, and uh, haven't heard back from him. Um, the only thing that I have heard from sources that are affiliated with, that uh, are close to Poland, is that, that the Wild are definitely one of the finalists. Um, and uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, they, they, they want him. I've watched a little bit of them, obviously. Uh, 30 goals leads the, leads the country and, and things like that. Uh, Hobie Baker, finalist. NCAC uh, player of the year, forward of the year, all that type of stuff. So it looks like a good player. Um, in terms of the Swedes, I mean, obviously Gustafsson is going to be priority number one. Whether that happens at, uh, by the end of the year, um, I'm not positive. Uh, they've been talking to his agent, Kurt Overhart, who also has Jack Campbell, and I think that's, that should be a cautionary tale of the while to go too long and too expensive um, here for, for him. Um, obviously, um, you know, Brodeen, Eric Snack, these guys are back. The, the only other one that would be probably, I'd say, a guarantee that they're going to try to get done is Johansson. Um, now, 10 games doesn't make a career here again, but if Boldy continues to look like this and Johansson continues to perform at a high level, I think that they would go short-term on a medium-sized contract with him, a couple years, $2 million each maybe. Um, maybe you can get him for a little less. He's on a 1-1 deal right now. Um, after you know, really struggling to find a job and going back to Washington after his time in Seattle, and I think he's tired of bouncing around. But I do think that he wants a little term. But he's 32. He's got injuries. I don't know. You, don't, I mean, even three years seems a little crazy to me to Depends go to that one. And what? Excuse me. On what the AAV is? I if if getting him if. Extending it to three years on a low number deal yeah, would like, get the deal done. Like, I'd be willing. Would to you do, do that. three times two, like three times two for him? Yeah, I probably yeah. would. I don't know that I'd, I wouldn't go more than two per. Yeah. And and I think just talking to him, he's. I've only had a couple conversations with him, and both times, pretty early in the conversation, and one was in front of some other reporters too. He made the comment like, "I'm tired of mm -hmm. bouncing around," and I. I you get the early impressions that he likes it here, that he liked it here the last time he was here. He was very Hard popular. not to like playing with Matt Boldy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's the type of guy that is really about the only kind of guy that would fit outside of Minnesota's core, would be the guy you can get on a low, low rate mm -hmm. for a couple of years. 
I got one more. And obviously, like, I mean, if Nyquist comes out and performs, that might change things. Maybe he's the guy over chance. I mean, sure. we'll see. I mean, Klingberg, I'd have trouble seeing. Sunquist. Um, you know, the, I like Sunquist as a player, but those are the type of guys that you should be able to fill internally on a cheap deal from Iowa, let's say. And they'll have to yeah. for the next two years. Yeah. Sure. So. So one other question about Gustafson then. Um, on the last podcast, I think you were talking about you don't, wouldn't want to go more than three years. Is that when his – I mean, I guess that's a couple questions I got. Is that when, his, when he would be uh, unrestricted? Well and, – and, and why wouldn't you want to keep him on like a four – try to get him on four if you can get him cheap? Because even if you – Well, you're not going to get him cheap. You're not going to – like you go four or five years, you're going to have to pay him. Okay. Because his agents are looking at him right now as being somebody in their eyes that should be a Vesna type thing. So they want to give him money – and they think that he could be a number one in this league. But, but if you're the Wild and you have Wallstad, you know, and you have Wallstad, and you know, and you still th- think that he is the goalie of the future, you, if you lock yourself into a four or five year deal, yeah, he might be a tradable commodity, Gustafson. But now, are you blocking out? Or are you slowing uh, down a, a Wallstad? So it's it's it. I will say this is a complicated negotiation. You you have an agent that's a hard nosed guy. Um, you know, uh, and and you have a goalie that has been exceptional, but it's also, you know, it's also, is it a blip or is this really him? I mean, that's the one thing with goaltending right now um, is, is, you know, every year it's just inconsistent from team to team. And, you know, you just don't know yet if Gustafson is going to be, is if this is, I don't want to say for real, but... But well, there's yeah, still you, questions yeah. of that. But I think the interesting part, to I think the point of your question is that why wouldn't you go? The, sometimes in these cases, the longer the term, the more you have to pay them. Yeah. Because what you're asking the player to do is give up on the potential really lucrative deal later. So mm-hmm. sometimes those guys are willing to say, I'll take three years at a lower rate, right. banking on the fact that four years from now I can really negotiate a huge dollar amount. And look, so sometimes if you go longer, it, it seems almost backward saying that we'll give you more years. Well, if I want more years, then I got to get more money. It, it almost seems like it would be the reverse. Yeah. And it, it, but it, that's what players are usually banking on. So especially, those, especially a goaltender, because also his agent knows that Wallstat exists too. So if he's going to go uh, you know, four or five years, he's going to make, make that number tougher for them to trade him and to also incentivize, incentivize them to make him their number one. And um, it, it is just a, it's a complicated situation that they find themselves in here. Um, and that's why I don't think it's been done yet. Because no. Remember, this was at the second they got Boldy done in January, this became priority number one. And right now it is slow cooking. I have no idea, and we're not involved in these. I'd be shocked if this deal ends up being more than a three-year deal. Mm-hmm. Me too. From both perspectives. Um, you know, so question. Do you know Mike Lundin? I don't. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you guys are talking about how great Boldy's looked lately, um, and you know he had. I got to think about the Philly game. That's first goal they had a super nice shot, and yeah. I think Ryan Carter mentioned on the the broadcast he's made some tweaks with his stick recently. I was just curious if you had any other details on that, and then also too uh, any other good stories you've heard of guys that make you know little tweaks to their equipment and that's give them a spark or any other like kind of weird things that you've seen too, like, you know, Kirill has the tops of his tongues cut off. Yeah. Anything you've seen like that? The, there's a lot of guys who, when they're not scoring, they'll switch anything. And, and it's not just Ralston hockey players skates. either. Yeah, there are Parisi. guys. Remember when Parisi was, like, being sponsored by, like, Easton, but he started using another 
another company's stick and that creative Yeah, he control. did. What's, and what's crazy is how quickly they get rid of sticks these days, too. Yeah. I mean, they'll prepare three brand new ones every night because they don't want to take any chances that it's compromised in any way. And I remember the conversation that Karts had. All I know is he changed sticks. I thought he said it, that it was a lower kick point, a lower flex point in the stick. And, but I don't remember what he said about why. He did talk to Boldy about it, and was, he was intrigued by it. But he was kind of a stick guy himself that, you know, messed with all that stuff. But there are guys, they'll try it didn't anything. didn't work. It, well, it didn't work to score goals. <laughs> uh, but there are guys that they'll try just about anything. And so some of them are really scientific with it. Some of them are, hey, let me try your stick because mine's not working. And if it works, then that's what they go to. And it's, it's funny because I'll have the same conversations with baseball players about their bats. And some of them are... I got to try this because this isn't working. So I'm going because my hands are doing this. So I'm going to go to a, a narrower handle or a thicker handle. And then other guys are just, let me try your bat because mine stinks. And that, so there's, there are guys on both ends of the spectrum that, it, with why they change. Against the Caps the other night, Ovi shanked that one shot in the first period. And I said to Damien Zatani, the Pioneer press writer on my left, I'm like, watch Ovi right now. I guarantee on this line change, he's going to go right for a new stick. He went right to the bench. Didn't skate to the closed door. He skated to the far door, went right to the trainer, and, see, and the guy handed him a new stick. I mean, that's just the way these guys are. Wes Walls was unbelievable about his skates. I mean, there'd be times that I would be writing an hour into the post game upstairs, and I'd watch Wes Walls um, in, in his sweats uh, on the ice skating and testing new skates or, or, or just, you know, had it maybe, uh, you know, had it sharpened or something. I mean, th these guys um, are all... Uh, finicky about their equipment. It's it's pretty. Uh, it's pre who was it? Uh, Ralston that always had the the weird knobs that he would change. Uh, Miko always with the the top of his stick, and he never really could explain why. He just said he liked it, you know, uh, on grips on faceoffs and things like that. So, um, but I'm always amazed at Minnesota Wild fans and Minnesota hockey fans in general how much they see. I cannot even convey to you how many times I'll get a tweet from somebody like, "Why this guy changed?" You know. Uh, his, his, you know, his skate or his or his stick or or the lie on a stick. I mean, like it, it, the stuff that that fans here that play the sports see that I would never ever notice. Um, you know, it's crazy. But I don't notice a lot of things. Like somebody asked me the other day what the Wild Goal song was. I don't even know. So, <laughs> like I, I honestly like a, a goal shout. I know that, but I didn't like. I never hear it. I just, uh, I just uh, like a goal happens, and you start like looking up numbers and tweeting, and I'm not paying attention. So, I don't know. That I can attest to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tom Reed got mad at me the other day in the press room. He's like, I guess I'll just talk to myself. You know, like, I'm like, sorry. Something very important here on Twitter. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. I guess uh, one other question too, and you talked a little bit about it. If they did get to the playoffs and. Kind of what you're mentioning sparked it too. Um, you know, both Flurry and Gustafson playing well. I know we've seen that shift in the regular season with the more you know rotating goalies. Do you think it would ever get to that point where it's you know the every other game in the playoffs of doing that, or do you think no. they'll stay with the hot hand? Yeah, it, it won't be, and it it isn't necessarily even a hot hand. It's just who they think gives them a, the best chance that night, and. They, um, I don't think they'd do in every other game, but I would yeah. be surprised if they got through the first-round series without both goaltenders getting a start. Yeah, like the Bruins are a team like that. They've, they've, you know, as good as Allmark's been, he's also platooned quite a bit this year with, 
with Jeremy Swayman. In fact, when I when I was at the NHL media tour in September, Swayman was actually the Bruins representative there. And just to show you, I mean, his, his cohort is going to be the Vezina winner in the NHL this year. But I mean, as much as they've rotated, you know, Olmark's getting the job in the, in the playoffs, and then obviously they have confidence if if things go haywire there with Boston. I right? think it'll be interesting to watch though, because we, as we've talked, there are a number of te- there are more teams now that split their goaltending more evenly than yeah. it ever used to be. And it, I think Connor Hellebuck the other night made his 56th start or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it used to be at this point in the year, you'd have six or eight teams that had a guy yeah. at 56 starts. And you probably had, I'd, you'd usually end up the year with about 10 guys that were a 60-20 split. Now almost nobody's there. Most teams are more like 50-30. Mm-hmm. And I think you get the, you know, it, I don't think it can be, exaggerated how much of an effect that has on the number one guy, just yeah. having some extra rest. So it'll be interesting to see if when you get into the playoffs, if teams continue with playing both guys or yeah. just or how many teams just say, he's number one, we're in the playoffs now, we're not messing around, he's going everywhere. I mean, what, last year there were four goalies that played more than 60 games? It's crazy. I mean, right now, the only team that I've looked at lately that is riding one goaltender and it's only based on injury, is Dallas. Uh, you know, Andrews played like 12 or 13 in a row or yeah. something like that because well, Wedgwood's hurt. Well, there's a few. Markstrom's playing almost every night yeah. in Calgary right now because they were... Well, that's uh, not where they were. No, but I mean, they were... It's, yeah. They were like, hey, well, this is our season, so we're riding our guy. Yeah. And Hellebuck plays almost every night in Winnipeg. But those are the exceptions rather yeah. than the rule right now. And a lot of that is based on the fact that they're backups. I mean, you know, Vladario is actually an interesting one, but Redich. Yeah. Yeah. Question. Uh, yeah, well, first, before I get to my question, you, uh, in the previous one, you brought up Parisi's stick, and uh, that was funny to me because. 20th I, goal tonight, by the way. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, Parisi's stick, that was the stick I used from pretty much when it came <laughs> out. And it was funny because, like, I, because, like you were saying, like, he started using another company's stick. I think that's why they stopped making his stick. Yeah. Um, for, I think it was SuperTax or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just recently broke my last one. And, like, literally I have people come out like, where'd you get the, like, they look at it like it's a museum piece. Yeah. But, you know, I think his point's interesting. You commented on the number of wild fans that notice this stuff. I think young players notice it. Yeah. So when my boys were growing up, they could have told you what kind of glove every ball player used, what kind of bat they swung. Same with hockey players. He uses this stick or that stick. I mean, they notice it. Just like golf fans, they know, to, they know which golfers are using which ball and which kind of clubs. So I don't think Minnesota hockey fans are a lot that way because so many of them play themselves. So, oh, that's what he uses. I want to try that. And I think that, and that's why marketing companies try to market to the young guys to Zach Parisi uses this stick and and then every little kid wants to try it. Um, what was I going to say to you? Uh, oh, I was going to make a, just a joke. If you need me to steal you a Parisi stick, I can find one. I, I, I noticed today in the locker room, um, uh, one of the wild coaches uses a Parisi stick. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was because they, the way the wild do it is because like tomorrow they're, they're a tree of, uh, uh, or they're not practicing Sunday, then they're back there Monday for the game. So they wrap up all the stuff and they, they, they haul it over 
to the the game rink. So all the sticks were were wrapped up today to bring back over there, and the coaches were together. And I'm I don't know if it was if it was Dean, which would be ironic, but I mean because I saw Woods one, I saw McLean one, but there was a couple Parisis wrapped with the coaches. So anyway, yeah, no, that, yep. that's funny because like literally the the last like three sticks of Parisi yep. that I have before I broke them, I literally he I was getting a coaching lesson uh, for sh- my shot. Uh, from a former NHL player, uh-huh. and I actually noticed that he just had a bunch of sticks, and I noticed he had Parisis. I literally just, he's like, here, don't tell anyone about this. I just <laughs> bought all the Parisi sticks he had. Nice, nice. He sold it to you as a former NHL player? Uh, yeah. You should have, he should have just given it to you. <laughs> I'm, tr- um, I'm going to try to guess who the player was. Um, yeah, ask your question before I interview you. All right. I got a uh, question. Okay. Um, uh, my question is, like, at current right now, what, would you, what players would you say are either offensively or defensively have been kind of the unsung heroes right now or that are kind of, like, further back in the chain where maybe they're not the guys getting the assists or uh, maybe not even the guys that are getting the shot blocks, but they are, like, a key part that have been uh, kind of, well, even though they're not at the top where mm-hmm. Boldy is or Krill is, but if they're more at the base that – if they weren't there, cracks would start to well, show. Really Jonas, good question. Jonas Brodin is number yeah. one. It, yeah. that, the guy is, he is so underappreciated around the NHL that it blows me away. Mm-hmm. And I've had a few more of the opposing broadcasters ask about him this year that they've said, hey, I was listening to your show the other night, and you guys kept talking about this guy. Why? What's so good about him? And I'm like, just wait till you watch him. He he single-handedly disrupts more plays than the any How about one play in the corner last night? He makes that. six a night yeah, that just make uh, you say – his first two strides and his yeah. strength, and he is so defensively, the Wild aren't where they are without him. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence how fast, every time we change management or coaches, how fast they realize, like, holy cow, this guy's a lot better than I ever thought he was looking from the outside. Yeah. And it's, in terms of offense, I think, I think Marcus Johansson's probably the, the closest thing to an unsung hero offensively just because... Mm-hmm. Even when the Wild acquired him, the vitriol from Wild fans about why are we getting this guy instead of a named off seven other guys they would have rather had and been there, done that, we could just call up Adam Beckman instead or whatever. I was like, look, this guy's a pretty good player. And I think now when he's come here, he's shown that. Yeah, um, and uh, I mean, it was interesting the way that all worked. I mean, the the guy the Wild were pursuing that they didn't get was Dadanoff, who went to Dallas. That was the guy they wanted them when they missed out on him, which I think still surprises some people in the organization that they didn't get him. Uh, um, they, they went out and uh, identified Johansson, and obviously there's a, there's a respect level uh, there just based on the history that Dean had with him when he, when he coached uh, the Capitals. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. 
And if you want to get your dream home, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer cash would be, there's no obligation. Just go to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Again, that's chrislindahl.com or uh, call 763-401-SOLD. You can close with confidence and start packing, and terms and conditions apply. Change of seasons means that it's time to change your apparel. I just got a text from Scott Dayton down at Twill at the Galleria in Edina with their new spring line of ties. I can't wait to go in there and check them out when I get back from this next road trip. But it's more than just a suit store. It's also golf season. I know there's a blizzard on the way, but I've got the golf itch. I can't wait to get out on the course. Maybe you've got a spring trip coming up. Check out their selection on men's sportswear as well. It's the Twill at the Galleria in Edina. You won't be disappointed. So let me ask you a question. Do you play for the Mullets? I do. All right, so tell, tell me about uh, the USPHL. Uh, good league. It was my first year this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Where are you from? I, I originally born in Wisconsin, been here for about, I don't know, six years. Okay. And uh, it's owned by uh, who again? It, uh, Chris Walby. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. And, it, and you guys play where? Uh, we play on the Augsburg rink. Okay. And you play the Coon Rapids team too, the Blue Ox? Yeah. Yep. How have you done against them? Not, uh, not this past year, not good. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's the Bruce Boudreaux owned team, so yeah. I just wanted, to, yeah. just wanted to see. Nope. Ne- next year will be better, though. Okay. And you'll be back next year? Yep. And then what do you hope to achieve with it? Get, get a Division three, two, one scholarship? Like, what, what are you hoping to... Uh, <laughs> honestly, go and see where it takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, obviously a scholarship would be really cool and stuff. But, honestly, I, I just love playing the game. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's awesome. And did, did your friend there play for them, too? Or no? Uh, no, that was my older brother. Oh, okay, cool. He, we have a big age gap. He's 30, I'm 19. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, like the hats, though. They're really yeah. cool. Yeah. All right, thanks for the question. Good yeah. luck. So, yeah, thank you so much. Any other questions uh, before we wrap up the show? Do we, do we talk enough about the Gophers? Um, I mean, I, I obviously didn't watch a ton of their games yesterday, but just, again, looking at the st- – it wasn't just the usual suspects yesterday getting it done. I mean, there were, there were some, yeah. uh, you know uh, – up and down the lineup, a lot of, a lot of. Uh, and I didn't, I wasn't able to watch the whole game either. But it, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of their defensive core. Yeah, they are, they are really good. I'm gonna and, be interested to see what, what Jackson Lacombe does if he signs yeah. with Anaheim or if he becomes a free agent. Uh, it'll be interesting. All right, this is gonna be good. You might end the show right now. Yep. So speaking, you got to make it best for. Uh, yeah. Speaking of age gaps. How, how old are you? Eight. Ah. Uh, all right, this is gonna be a good one. Uh. How do they pick who shoots in penalties? In the penalty, in the shootouts? Which team? Okay. Which team shoots in the? Shootout. Shoot first. Oh, okay. So the home team gets the option to shoot first. And if they don't want to shoot first, they'll defer to the visiting team. Not a lot of teams will do that. Most teams shoot first. Yeah, most teams, because you kind of want to get that early jump on the team, which is a lot of times, you know, in in other cases, you want to be that one that that gets that sort of last licks. As I said, do they still say that? I used to say that as a kid. In, in baseball? Yeah. Yep. All right. <laughs> but uh, but that's, that's why. And it was interesting yesterday how the Wild had to change their order just without – first shootout, I think, without Kaprizov. Um, and, yeah. and obviously Boldy got into the top three yesterday. So. 
Since I'm here, you mentioned uh, Miko. Any news on him with the Wild? Um, no, I mean, he's still around the team every now and then. Uh, he'll be at a, uh, the Wilder. I think, ha I think he'll be at the press conference they're having Monday, which I don't want to give away yet what that is going to be, but I'll have a big story about it on Monday. Not, not you know, huge, huge breaking news that you all have to worry about, but there's a really cool announcement coming Monday um, about an initiative that they're doing, and I assume that he'll be at that. I know Ryan Carter and Nate Prosser will be there. I'm not positive about Miko. But I've seen him. You know, he's around every now and then. He's back and forth between here and Finland. So, Any other questions? What's your name, by the way? Alexander. Alexander, do you want to be a broadcaster like Anthony here? Or a no. hockey player. I'd try to be a player instead. Yeah. I play hockey. Oh, that's good. Perfect. That's cool. Awesome. Great job. Yep. Great job, Alexander. Any other questions before, uh, before we wrap up the show? No? I'm trying to think, do we anything else that we haven't gotten to? No, you, I, we knocked off all the future questions you had piled up into one earlier. <laughs> Um, September or September? Oh my lord! Yeah, I know. April, April fourth is our next live show. That will be right here at Split Rocks up here in Wyoming. Uh, Seven fifteen-ish probably will start. Uh, everybody, what they could do is at six twenty-three, go on your MapQuest or Waze and put in, uh, like, say, Continental Diamonds in uh, St. Louis Park to Split Rocks, and you'll know exactly how long it'll take me to get here, that's when you can leave your house to get here for what the start of the show will be. So. I'm sure they'll be marking that down. Yeah. Why don't we just pick a time that when yeah. you can I get do, it? By the way, <laughs> let's just let's say, say the show starts at 720. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe if, I'm, if I walk in at 705, we got to start. We don't want to hang around here until 720. I'll be here so. at 720. Will yeah. anybody wants to come? By the way, I just, want, I just want everybody to know that I was driving up here. I stopped at Starbucks. I walk in there. I look at my phone. And Margot Lapanta sent me a picture of Anthony on the couch at like 6.35 and said, Anthony just left five minutes ago. And I'm like, what on earth? I actually left at 37 after, so it's... How did you get here on time? It's, I was supposed to be here at 7. I walked in at 7. <sighs> Unbelievable. Yeah. I had Stanley and Phil were comfortable with me. We were watching the Sabres-Devils game yeah. and... I think Margo just did that to scare the heck out of me. So, again, April 4th is our next live show. That's right here at Split Rocks. It's going to start around 7.15 I actually guarantee you, if you text her, she was watching on, what's the app that she uses? To well, I, when you walked I in here, when you walked in here, I actually almost texted her, can you tell me where Anthony is? Because I, didn't it take you a while to know that Margo was essentially stalking you on your phone? Yeah. Yeah. It did. And she likes to think of it as just, because she cares, and not that she's stalking me. She'll actually love this. So we, it, was, it happened one year, we were at Christmas time, and all of a sudden we're sitting around the table, and people started talking about it. I was like, wait a minute, how do you know what his battery level is right now? And all the kids were like, Dad, it's on the Life, it's whatever the app is, Life, Life what is it? Life 360, that's what it is. And so... All of a sudden, a bunch of stories started to make sense in my brain where I was like, I came home that one day and she said, yeah, did you stop anywhere on your way home? And I was like, well, how would she know that? I, yeah, I stopped at the Chipping Green for a little while. <laughs> I was like, because normally, like, if I had bought something, I'd know she could see yeah. it on our account. But I was like, I didn't pay for anything. Like, how does she know? And, and I'd always tell her, like, well, yeah, I stopped to putt for a little while. Oh, Okay. And so now all of a sudden I was like, well, no wonder you always knew where I was. I still, and I could probably find the text on my phone. One of the funniest stories is we were in Salzburg like four or five years ago for one of our Russo Panta trips. And 
Margo was pissed off because it was like it was like say like eight PM in Austria, two AM or so back here, and she got an alert that Ariana, their youngest daughter, had just who was in high school, just walked in the house at like two something in the morning, three AM. So I'm like, I'll take care of this and I text Ariana right away and I'm like, Why did you just walk in the house? And she was beyond spooked that I that I knew. Like, like, like. Sorry, yeah. I'm watching too now. On the, uh, I've been in. Are in, you on our family? Yeah, I should be. I absolutely should be. The funniest one was in Raleigh a couple of years ago, and you you went out on your own, and your battery died, and Margot was just like, "Where's Anthony? What's going on with Anthony? Have you heard from Anthony?" And yeah. I'm like, and it was because your battery was dead. And I'm like, "Well, I am not with him. I swear. And if Anthony's battery is dead, there's not. Trust me, he doesn't even care right now." And isn't no. that the night that you crashed a wedding? I did crash a wedding that night. Yeah. And I wound up, I, I didn't know it was a wedding. I actually just went into this bar because I thought it looked cool. And it was, it was in a train car. And I walked in, I walked up to the bar and yeah, I'll have a vodka soda. And gives me, and I had my card out. He goes, no, no, no. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so then I, I order a second one and I'm just kind of watching as, it's, you know, there's people dancing and the, DJ and stuff, and, and all of a sudden I, I order another one, he comes back, and I, he said, no, 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 it's a, it's a open, house, bar. open bar. I started looking around, and I was like, where am I? And sure enough, there's this chalkboard up on the wall, it was, congratulations, Sean and Shannon, and so I hung out at Sean and Shannon's wedding that night for a while, and that was great, and then, but I went to a couple other bars and wound up, because my phone was dead, I twice had to ask the bartender if he'd call an Uber for me to go to the next bar, and then I just gave him cash. And I was like, here, I'll just give you cash, you order an Uber for me. So that was how I ended up getting home that night. I got <laughs> one Uber ride from a bar to the next, and then another one from that bar to my hotel, courtesy of the bartenders at each spot. That's funny. Yeah, and the next day, Margo was not happy with me. Anyway, the, the, the point I was going to make about the Life 360 is I guarantee if you ask her tonight, she will have been watching on there to see what time I pulled in here tonight. Yeah. Because when I left the house, she told me my ETA was 7.02. I said, no, 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 I'll be there by 7. And, and you did. You walked yeah. right in here at 7. So. Yeah, because yeah. she made a point that yeah. 7.02, yeah. that's in the parking lot. Yeah. That is not like at the table ready to do the yeah. show. Well, I had just said to Brandon at about 6.55, hey, by the way, uh, I think Anthony's going to be late because Margo said at 6.37 that he just left. <laughs> and uh, so then I said to Brandon, actually, I'll find out where, she, where he is right now because I remembered the app. And then that's, of course, you walk in here, yeah. uh, which just always pisses me off. Like even the other day in Philadelphia, uh, he was just there. He was there. Um, uh, he stayed with the team rather than flying commercially home because they weren't doing the game yesterday. So he shared uh, Ubers with uh, Dan Mizzitani and I. And right away when he invited himself to do this, I'm like, there is no way that he is going to be respectful of our time. Uh, like, if I tell you be there at 4, oh, I'm going to go down there at 4, and he is not going to be there. And sure enough, both, both times, times that you shared there. an Uber with us, you were there. I, whatever time I say I'm going to be there, I'll be there. Oh, man. Even and, that bothered me that he was on time because I'm so used <laughs> to him not being on time. Um, since, since we're talking about all this stuff, should we just tell people really quickly about our uh, little dinner a couple nights ago? That was a pretty cool place, that place in Philly, yeah, the cafe. The, I mean, nothing like crazy special, but it was just a really cool, cool. bartender from – from, from Sicily. From, well, he's from yeah. Calabria, but he had been to Sicily a lot. Yeah. And so we started chatting, and I had stopped there. We actually had reservations at an Italian place we visit almost every time we're there, Dante and Luigi's down in the south end of downtown Philly, and which is terrific. 
But this, I was like, hey, I want to try somewhere different. I had a few hours to kill in the afternoon, so I was just walking around, and it, we had somebody had mentioned it to us, but I walked by it, and I walked in, and I thought, this place looks pretty cool. So I went back there about an hour before we had dinner reservations, just figured I'd have a glass of wine and check it out, and it was terrific. So I texted Michael right away and said, why don't you just meet me here? Let's eat here. And it was, it was awesome. It was uh, the we there like four hours. Grand Cafe L'Aquila, I think it was called. Yeah. And it was, it was a terrific spot, just a little tiny place. There were only about maybe five tables behind us and a, and a bar that seated maybe eight or ten, but a great wine list. And, and they, and, you know, big on coffee, gelato, like right. all that type of stuff. You buy And it was great because the guy was, you know, cool. was knowledgeable of, so that when you were distracted by what was happening on Twitter, I could visit with the bartender. Yeah, so that's it was, exactly It was a win-win. Uh, and then, so we got a charcuterie board, and there was this thing right on top of it. And we used to take a bite, and it turned out to be Parmesan gelato. So I got this fascinating idea. We invited Dane Musitani, the pioneer press writer, and I told the bartender, I'm like, hey, get that gelato. I'm going to tell him that's like the greatest vanilla gelato that he's ever had, and then just watch his reaction when he bites into it, and it's like Parmesan. Uh, but Unfortunately, you didn't sell the joke very well. No, I was because like, I was like, oh, so it's Parmesan gelato. And I mean, what do you think? I wouldn't think Parmesan gelato would be, yeah. but it was really tasty, actually, when you mixed it with the meat and stuff on the charcuterie tray. But with him, we were going to try and we were just going to keep raving about this. It is Sicilian vanilla. It is the best, sweetest vanilla you can have. And see how long he'd eat it. And if he'd, yeah, that is really sweet. And, and see if he just would not be like the emperor's new clothes thing. Would he, he won't be willing to say, this tastes like ass compared to vanilla. <laughs> and... And instead, after one bite, Russo lost it, and he's like, "Isn't it? Doesn't it taste like vanilla?" And it's like, "Well, I think he's gonna be on to us yeah. now." <laughs> yeah. And then I didn't even tell you, Dane knew this, but then I, I go back to my hotel room and uh, fast forward about six hours, and I was in the hospital. So I was I spent the night in the hospital from one a.m. to Philly? six a.m. Yeah, at the at the Thomas Jefferson Hospital in the ER. For what? I uh, left just, you at like midnight. I know. I was feeling 11, good maybe. then, but then I wasn't. So, in a little bit. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. Got to go see the doctor this week. Oh, Mike Lindine's back. How are you, how you doing? <laughs> well, apparently, we're, we're recovering from a hospital stay. Yeah. Well, when you, you have... have no idea the stress he's under. Well, the hip. Um, so, um, if we're going to go shop and we're going to do some grocery store... Go to Kowalski's. Wow, you you wow. on the payroll? How? What's your steak? My steak? I have no steak other than that I love the steaks at Kowalski's. They're the best you can get in the Twin Cities. T-bone. Uh, yeah, I think he, that's actually but, what he was asking. Yeah. Right? So the Akaushi steaks there are unbelievable. They have a USDA prime that's forty day aged. That they but they'll have all different kinds: fillets, ribeyes, strips. But the steak and seafood at Kowalski's it's not better anywhere in the cities. Just trying to put, pull a plug in there. Wow. Right. You know what he was doing? Mr. Lundin was basically saying, look, uh, I yeah. came from Minnetonka, right. and it's time for me to leave, so read the sponsors, which right. I will listen to Mr. Lundin. Yeah. Uh, thanks, to everybody, for coming out. April 4th is our next live show right here at Split Rock, 715-ish, um, or whenever I get here. Aquarius Home Services. 720. All right, 720. 720. We will start that show, Brandon. 
Unless I'm early and we're going to start right away. All right. Thanks for coming to the Aquarius Home Services Studio, which is on remote. Uh, thanks to our awesome sponsors, uh, Twill Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. Chris Lindahl Real Estate, who I noticed has a cool new billboard as I was coming up here. Land of 10,000 billboards is what this one was called. Uh, Royal Credit Union, Moe's Tavern, Bosch Law Firm, and as Mr. Lundian said, Kowalski. Thanks, everybody, for coming out on this Friday night. Thank you. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. Oh, but the world won't forgive.